Welcome to At The Source. It's been a couple of months since I was last with you, but excitingly, today I am recording this episode face-to-face in the same room as my guest. So I'll apologise in advance for any slurping and biscuit crunching that you might hear. So my guest is Josh Campbell. He's a freelance food and lifestyle photographer based right here in Bristol, and his food shots often have me wishing I could eat my phone screen as I scroll through his Instagram. So Josh is originally from the Lake District. Via a language and communications degree at Cardiff, he has now been in Bristol for about five years. I hope I'm getting all of this right. Growing his freelance photography career to the point it's at now. Anyway, Josh has been sitting here patiently waiting for me to stop waffling. So welcome, Josh. Welcome to my dining room. Thank you very much. I know, it's very exciting. It's great to be here. I've already offered Josh a giant courgette and um, <laughs> some eggs. eggs. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Um, so we met in a bit of a random way, didn't we? Um, yeah. So around, I think it was three years ago, um, we were friends on Twitter. Yeah. And you came to my flat to co- collect a kombucha scoby. And I remember that um, we'd kind of arranged it on Twitter and then Dave was out and I thought, oh, there's a strange man off the internet coming to my <laughs> flat. Um, but it turned out that you were fine. Uh, I hope so, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and also, Josh does a lot of the photography work for my for my day job. So we have two connections. Um, but obviously, we're here to talk about food. Yes. Of course. Yes, definitely. Um, and food photography. Good. A bit of photography. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing too technical. So I want to start at the beginning of your photography career. Yes. So actually, I've already said in the intro that your degree had nothing to do with photography. Um, How did you end up choosing a career behind the lens? Um, Well, my degree, it didn't have much to do with photography. That's true. But it was language and communication. So that communication side of things was, that was the kind of, that involved a lot of visual communication, non-verbal stuff, um, marketing, persuasive language, all those kind of things that weren't actually t- it, half of the degree. Half of the degree was about grammar um, and technical stuff like that, but the other half of the degree was a lot more. It was a lot more vocational, mm. and I think that's where the photography side of things um, kind of came in, like crept into it a little bit. So there was nothing technical. There was no. I didn't pick up a camera. I don't think for the whole degree, um, at least not degree related. Mm. But communicating um using kind of imagery using messages uh that was part of the degree so it's always kind of been there in a way um from my studies and I guess what I do now as well photography is a part of it but it's running a business and it's communicating with people I learned a lot of that in my degree Mm -hmm. and um you know interpersonal communication um that was that was an important part of it and that's an important part of running your own business i would say so yeah the degree helped it a was bit. handy it was handy yeah. yeah you learn a lot going to uni i think um and cardiff was amazing another good foodie city mm. um i'm yeah. not going to compare it to bristol i'm not going to choose rank here but <laughs> no nothing compares to <laughs> bristol i obviously would say that but also i moved here from leicester which really <laughs> Well, again, I'm I've not, never been. I'm not going to say anything. Know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Leicester is is really good for Indian food. Yeah. Although okay. I'm saying this, like I, I've got listeners in Leicester because that's where I've come from, so I need to be very careful. But <laughs> there's a lot more going on there than there used to. Good. Yeah. And sure. actually, every time I go back to Cardiff now, I'm like, it seems like in the same way that Bristol's kind of had an explosion of its food scene over the past five, six years. I think Cardiff's had the same. Um, and every time I go back, I'm like finding new places. Mm. Um, I've got chef friends who still live and work there who are like, you need to try this place, you need to go here. So yeah, I need to spend a bit more time back there, I think, and discover it again. I've got a day planned with one of my friends who actually has also been on the podcast, mm-hmm. Leah from Korean Kitchen Cardiff. Yeah. Um, uh, with another friend of ours who is also on Instagram, uh, Foodie in Bristol, I'm sure she'll appreciate the shout out, <laughs> are going over for a full day tour of food. Oh, and nice. Leah has said to us, do not eat breakfast. She has got a massive plan. So I think it's going to be like man v food. 
Oh, that'll be so fun. We're just on it from the start of the day. We're going to have a full food tour of the city. It's going to be brilliant. And Cardiff isn't huge. So I think in a day you can go to loads of places, but you'll be able to... You'll be able to fit it all into. Mm. Well, you'll fit some of it into a day. It's whether I can fit it into my tummy, is it? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <the> issue. <laughs> so, we talked about the fact that although you weren't picking the camera up as part of your degree, you obviously developed this interest in photography. Mm-hmm. Presumably, photography then was a hobby. Yes. Yeah. How did it go from that to a full time career? In a nutshell, because <laughs> I nutshell. imagine that's quite a long story. It's, it is quite a long story. It starts in my childhood. Um, <laughs> I was, I've always been into photography. My dad was a photographer, so he taught me loads. Um, he taught me the kind of basics and it's always just kind of been there as a hobby throughout my whole life. Mm. And when I was at uni, I, I thought I was an okay photographer, but I met lots of other friends who were actually way better than me. And I learned from them as well. And I kind of, I got to practice with people who were better than me whilst mm-hmm. I was at uni, which was really, really good. Um, shout out to James Cohen. He, he's the best. Um, so yeah, when I was at uni, I, I kept it up as a hobby. Um, it wasn't my main hobby growing up. I was a musician. I played drums and that was my main kind of creative outlet, I would say. Um, but then when I was, uh, when I was growing up, if I wasn't studying, I was working in kitchens. So from sort of 16 onwards, I was working in kitchens as a chef. Mm. Um, and that's where the food side of things came into my life. And throughout that whole time, I had photography on the side as well as a hobby. Um, I actually remember my first job in a kitchen was um, a restaurant in Kendall where I grew up called the Castle Green Hotel. And I must have been really into photography at that point because I remember working really hard, saving up my money and my first proper pay slip. I was like, okay, I've got enough. I can get myself my first digital camera, my own camera. I got a little Canon uh, 750D or something. It was like a beginner's SLR camera. And uh, I started using that and I started to really fall in love with photography at that point in my life and then yeah as I as I sort of grew up and went to uni it's just always been there in the background as a hobby um so the story of me actually getting into photography professionally now is uh it kind of involves a few different life events I would say I I started to pick it back up when my brother Matt um was he was on Master Chef. he was a chef um, he was an absolutely brilliantly talented chef, um, a lot better than me. Um, we'd worked together in restaurants and I kind of went the way of going to uni and all that kind of thing. And he stayed dedicated to being a chef and mm. worked at Michelin star level and went off and did lots of private chef work and worked in France. Um, in November, 2017, he was on master chef, the professionals and, he had quite a unique food style. He was doing lots of kind of vegan food, um, just really interesting stuff with kombucha as well. So that's why I was kind of into kombucha and why I came to your house, Alex, and asked mm. for a scoby. Um, <laughs> because Free scobies here. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been shown the ways um, initially from Matt. And um, he built up a really good reputation for himself on the back of um, being on MasterChef. He got to the final four mm. um, and... You know, Greg Wallace was like munching down his vegan desserts and saying, Whoa, these are the best yeah. puddings I've ever had and I can't believe they're vegan and all this kind of stuff. And um, we, af- after that, he built up a bit of a social media following, we started doing pop-ups and his kind of presence online was beginning to grow. Mm. And I was working on these pop-ups with him. We were starting to document them just on our phones and doing a bit of you know, stories on Instagram and things like that. And we decided that we were going to start a YouTube channel. That was essentially the reason we invested in decent camera gear and a good camera setup. And because I was the one who was always into photography, Mm. I'd be the one who would be behind the camera. And um, so that's that's why I kind of got back into photography at that point of my life. Um, And then 
unexpectedly Matt passed away, as you know, Alex, and um, it was obviously a huge mm. shock and a huge, you know, difficult moment in our lives. Um, but it was, it was that kind of event that made me think, okay, I need to be doing something with my life that I really have, you know, a true passion, a passion for. for yeah. yeah, and that I want to put my all into and really, really work hard at. Mm. And at that time, I was actually, I'd, I'd actually left the kitchen. I wasn't working as a chef. Um, I was working in chef recruitment. <laughs> I was I was recruiting chefs, which was an interesting part of the hospitality world. <laughs> um, it's quite difficult considering there aren't many chefs in the UK and that's definitely a thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough to be part of a really good company who were giving me a lot of freedom and I kind of had to work for myself in a way in that recruitment role. Mm. And that helped with making that transition because it got to a point where I thought, okay, I could actually make a career doing photography if I put my mind to it and dedicate the time to it. And it, yeah, it got to that point And I thought I'm going to leave this job. I'm going to take a bit of a break. And just gradually I started to pick up the odd client here and there, people who would not pay me to do a little bit of work. Nice People, bit of exposure. <laughs> a bit of exposure, yeah, which <laughs> I wouldn't advocate, you know, doing too much work just for exposure, but getting, you know, getting started, it mm. was it was amazing and it really helped me. And and good experience. And- amazing experience. You know, I didn't know enough to charge people properly <laughs> at that point. <laughs> um, but I think because I had that background as a hobbyist, um, I had the kind of real world life experience. Um, I was able to make it work mm. <laughs> at the start um, eventually. And and eventually people paid me real money um, to actually take photos, which was, uh, again, if you ask any photographer, that was always a turning point, obviously, in the career where you're like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, I can, I can actually do this as a job, a real life job. Um, and it just grew from there. I started to get more clients. Um, I started to, uh, think how can I do this properly? So I got myself a part-time job in Bristol, um, in a kitchen. So I was working, you know, back in hospitality, but then at the same time I was taking on photography work. Um, and that was a really flexible job. So I could kind of do as much or as little as I needed. Um, and from there I was doing lots of kind of corporate photography, um, not much food work. And I was trying to just figure out, okay, what niche do I want to hone in on? Um, you know, what avenue do I really want to go down? And at that point, I think I decided I wasn't going to jump into hospitality and do food because I was quite enjoying a break from the food world because I've been in it since I was 16, mm. really. Um, so it's quite nice to work with a different, in a different industry with different different types of people. And I started to, you know, I worked with a podiatrist on one shoot and I was taking lots of pictures of feet and that was, that was (laughs) interesting. And I tried putting them on my Instagram and didn't go down too well with my audience. (laughs) Um, I started to think, okay, maybe most of the people who will engage with whatever I'm posting will prefer some food. And every, every time I posted something that was food based, that would obviously get a little bit more engagement at that time. Yeah. Um, and I realized that it was actually a really enjoyable niche to be a part of um, and to work in. I had this strange misconception that food photography was going to be quite um, static and it would just be me photographing a plate of food on my own, not really much else going on, not much of a team effort or anything. Um, whereas the photography that I was doing at that moment, at that moment in time was more people based and I was having to engage with lots of different people and try and make people smile by telling them not to laugh. And then they laugh and (laughs) that sort of thing. Um, just giving away a trade secret there. That's not so good. Um, but then as I started to do more food work and I got a few opportunities to shoot food professionally, whether that was, um, in restaurants or um, just doing stuff myself at home, I realized that there was a lot more to it than just photographing a plate of food. Yeah. And it was actually a real collaborative effort. And you work with 
a chef or you work with a food stylist or you work with a PR agency or you work with an ad agency or there's so many people yeah. involved yeah. and there's so many people involved. And I think the perfectionist in me really enjoyed that because there's a lot of people are working together to make something look as amazing as it possibly can look. And I really enjoyed that attention to detail and, and you know, mm. working to create something that was really, really beautiful. Yeah, and tasty. And, well, yeah, some, most of the time it's tasty, but sometimes... It's old know, and cold. Sometimes and... you don't need to taste it. It just needs to look good. So yeah. flavour, that's a weird one. Flavour's almost secondary for some of the jobs that, that I do. For the, for, um, so I have two experiences in my life when I've been involved with food photographers. Okay. Um, that sounded like I've got some... Like I've been involved. Um, so when I first started my marketing career, I worked for an airline and worked on food shoots for airline food. Uh, and I remember that we had these wraps and they came in, and this is a, this is a sign. Mm -hmm. They came in these cardboard boxes that had air holes and the wrap, in, the wrap inside was not in any kind of plastic wrap. So they had like a three-year shelf life on them. I do not know what was in them. Oh, gosh. And I remember <laughs> the the food stylist on the day, so I was there as the client from the airline. Yeah. The food sty stylist on the day, she kind of gingerly unwrapped this wrap and she was <laughs> prodding at it with her things. And in the end, they basically rebuilt a wrap and cooked it. Yeah. And I remember, it because this was a big commercial thing, I remember thinking, that actually looks a lot nicer than the the product that the customer gets when they're on the plane. Yeah, yeah. But it was really enjoyable to see that process. And then later on in my career, I was the marketing manager for a group of pubs around the East Midlands. Oh, right, okay. Um, really nice pubs. Yeah. Independent. And we did a number of photo shoots with a really great food photographer who became quite a good friend of mine at the yeah. time. Um, give a little shout, shout out to you, Scott Shishino. Um, oh, no way. Do you know Scott? Yeah, he's an absolute legend. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say is he, yeah. I've you'll not seen to, him for years. You'll so. have to introduce us. <laughs> oh, I've not spoken to Scott for a long time, but um, yeah, he rented, this is a total aside, um, Scott, you're now getting a shout out as well. Um, he rented a big space above one of our pubs that was next to my office. Right, okay. Um, so we used to have chin wags and moan. Um, but watching him work with the food and being involved again as the client, but on a much more casual basis because yeah. it, it was an independent pub, um, kind of making sure the food looked right and getting stacks when usually it would be flat and all sorts. <laughs> it was so interesting. Um, and obviously then sometimes we got to eat the food afterwards and sometimes we didn't. So, um, yeah. That's definitely a perk um, that we can go into a little later. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Instagram because you've mentioned it. And obviously, as a food blogger myself, my my feed on Instagram is just full of food. Mm -hmm. And it's just all I want to look at all the time. I never get bored of looking at pictures of food on Instagram. But as a professional photographer, do you find that you pick up clients through Instagram? Or is it more just that you're getting involved in the same way that perhaps I am for the fun of it? Um, I, I definitely get clients through Instagram. Um, that's been, it's been one of my main kind of sources of, of clients. Okay. Um, which is probably quite, quite dangerous because a lot of people are saying that Instagram is becoming way less of a image based platform these days. So I need to start broadening my marketing uh, tactics. Maybe you can help me with that. It's, it's quite an, in, it's quite interesting though, because obviously they've kind of said that they're downgrading the importance of photographs but yeah personally I have never got the hang of reels and it seems to me now that people are just resharing TikTok to Instagram which is a real shame because one of the beauties of Instagram in those early days was being able to showcase really good photography and it's fantastic that you've had so many clients through it. So as a professional photographer who is using Instagram as one of their marketing channels to promote their business, mm -hmm. how do you elevate your food photography above, say, a, or how, how does your professional food photography differ to, say, well, I know it differs to mine because mine's terrible, but... Um, <laughs> Yours isn't terrible a, at all. 
hobby food blogger who's putting pictures of their dinner up on Instagram? Um, I mean, I would say that it's it differs because it's different. It's a different type of content. If you're just posting something for your audience, then as long as you're happy with it and it's doing what you want it to do, then it's good and it works. It's great. And if you're a food blogger and you're posting food image content, then you're going to know it's good if people are engaging with it and going, oh, that looks epic. I want that. You know, if I posted some of my kind of more casual iPhone shots, then I might not get people to pay me to do big photo shoots, but I'd probably still get some of my friends going, oh, Josh, that looks well nice. That looks mega. I want to eat that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm trying to portray, you know, a professional image, um, whereas anyone else on Instagram, oh, no, I don't want to say. <laughs> so it's, all, it's about the audience that you are projecting too. Yeah, it's all it's all about who your audience is and you know, Instagram's got so much image content on there that there's a space for everyone and the stuff that I put out is my work and it's what I'm doing and it's an online portfolio basically. Mm. So I wouldn't say that mine's elevated. It might be a technically better photograph in terms of the quality of the image technically sharpness and contrast and things like that Mm. but that's not that doesn't necessarily mean better anyway because there's lots of photographers who post food imagery that isn't what photographers would call a technically adequate photo but is an image that shows something that is desirable and people want to see and people will engage with Mm. so I just try and show off what I can do with the camera Whereas I think other users of Instagram are using it for a different purpose. And yeah, there's space for everyone um, using that platform. So yeah. <laughs> Long may it continue. <laughs> Definitely. Let's talk about a typical photo shoot because I think the listeners will be really interested in this. Yeah, okay. I want to know what is a typical shoot? A tip. Uh, well. There's no such thing as one typical shoot. There's no shoot such thing. It's all so varied. <laughs> um I mean, there's, yeah, a typical shoot is actually quite hard for me to say because I do work with a few different types of food photography. So I do, I do a lot of hospitality stuff, going into restaurants, hotels and shooting a menu. Sometimes it's shooting the team in action, um, all that kind of stuff, which is quite, um, it's quite fluid. You know, you're not just stuck in one position shooting a dish. It's, you've, you've got to be you've got to be on your feet all day and running around. Um, so I do that side of things, but then I do the more studio-based stuff. And the studio-based stuff is, you know, it's it's all a lot more controlled. You control the lighting. You are usually shooting with a laptop so you can see what's going on at all times. Um, so because I've got that variation, it's really, that's what makes it so fun. But a typical day is, or a typical shoot, Obviously, there's a camera involved, (laughs) sometimes two, often two, just in case one goes wrong. Or sometimes for convenience, I'll have two camera setups with two different lenses so that I can get nice wide shots with one camera and really close up macro shots with another. Two different cameras sometimes. Um, And that's just kind of a logistical thing and just makes the shoot kind of flow more easily. Um, But yeah, a typical, I mean, a typical photo shoot is just about having good camera and lens set up and knowing what the lighting situation is going to be and preparing for that. So sometimes I'll do a completely um, naturally lit shoot. Um, And that's great. If you've got like good consistent lighting, it's kind of a completely sunny day and you can diffuse the light or if it's more of a uh, cloudy overcast day and you don't really need to do anything, everything just looks great. (laughs) Then (laughs) that's really, that's really helpful. Um, and then sometimes the studio-based stuff, you are shooting essentially in a dark room and you're illuminating the scene with lighting um, and you can be really specific and you can have a create a really specific look. So a typical, a typical day is just having that kind of gear ready. And then for the hospitality things, it's usually I'll have a chat with the chef. Um, we'll know kind of what dishes we're going to shoot beforehand. Um, we, we will... 
<laughs> what do we do? It's different every it is different most times. <laughs> do you have a preference between the the studio shoots and the on-site with the chefs in the kitchen? That more kind of reportage style. Um a big word there. Yeah, that is a good word. <laughs> um I wouldn't say I have a preference between the two because they're totally different. So sometimes I'll find myself doing lots of studio shoots consecutively and then I'll do a hospitality shoot and I'll absolutely love it because you're out and about, you're running around, it's really energetic, you're working with loads of different people. Um, It's all a little bit more, it's a lot more fast paced and um, unpredictable as well uh, and generally a bit more varied. But I really enjoy the studio-based stuff because it's all about perfection and working really systematically. And usually the studio-based stuff is with a team that I'm quite familiar with or I've worked with before. So, you know, you, you that's they're my colleagues. <laughs> Even mm. though I don't really have any work colleagues when you're in a studio, <laughs> it's quite nice because you're like, ah, oh, we're a team, we're doing this together. You work quite a lot with the Pam Lloyd PR girls, don't you? I do, yeah. yeah. So much that they call me a PR girl these days as well, which is an honour. Pam has also been on the podcast before. (laughs) Yes, that is awesome. I've I've given it a listen before. I've been working my way through her clients. So actually (laughs) um, you're the natural progression from that point of view as well, actually. Great. And some of those, some of those pictures are amazing. I think, is it the Shalots pictures? Yeah, we do a lot of Mm. fresh produce recipe content. So a lot of shallots, a lot of asparagus, um, <laughs> tomatoes, uh, you know, lots of stuff like that. So that's always someone's cooking in the kitchen and someone else is working with me to kind of style the scene um, and and shoot the images. And that's always so fun because we just get the music going. We know what we're cooking on that day. There's loads of food going around. Um, they've got an amazing prop store so we can play around with all the different props and really kind of create a specific look and it's just really enjoyable working with those guys it's it's been great um it's been really good for me to learn um just how to shoot in like a studio setting as well uh and yeah i they've been really really good for me and it's Mm. been it's been a (laughs) what do i say we love you oh god it's been so great um I don't know if they've worked with loads of photographers who were chefs as well. So sometimes I'll jump in the kitchen with Pam and like help out with a few bits and bobs here and there. And it, it means that I'm not just stood behind the camera in the kitchen. They're open to me kind of having an input on the food side of things as well, which I absolutely love because that's actually a really extra skill to have as a food photographer is, is knowing about cooking. Yeah. It's, it's helpful. It's definitely helpful. Sometimes um, if I'm working with a restaurant, it's not as helpful because I can be like, oh, we need to change this or can we do that a little bit <laughs> a little bit differently or something. But that rarely happens. Um, and most of the time it's, yeah, I can, I can give that kind of insight of just knowing how ingredients look on camera, knowing mm. how ingredients have to be cooked. Um, and yeah, I... I can use my professional background as a chef to make food look as good as it can. Um, it's it's interesting that I didn't go straight into food photography because it kind of makes sense now thinking about, you know, thinking back, I was always obsessed with food. I started to pick up the camera again and it's been, it's been so good to work with food again, but from a completely different angle, Mm. um, but still be involved in hospitality and the food scene and all that kind of thing. So Mm. I I love it. Yeah. I think this is going to be quite a hard question for you to answer. Okay. (laughs) Do you have a favorite photo that you've taken? A favorite food photo? Oh, that's... That's interesting. Of the millions. <laughs> um, <laughs> a favourite photo. Um, or maybe a favourite shoot, if it's easier to to broaden it out to that. I would say, hmm, have I got a favourite photo? There is, I mean, there's definitely, okay, there's one example that I can definitely use that was an image that I got that I was like, oh, 
that's I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> that was cool. That was good fun. Um, so I think it was last. Uh, it was before Christmas last year. Um, Lucian from Asado in Bristol got in touch with me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm making uh, love faces. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucian got in touch with me from Asado and. He was in the process of opening up his Barcelona branch um, and it was COVID times. He couldn't fly back easily. And he's an amazing photographer and does all his own food photography. I was going to say, the Asado Instagram, bringing it back yeah. to Instagram, always looks incredible. It's amazing. Those it's burgers. so good. <laughs> and we, we, you know, we talk to each other on Instagram every now and then and, and talk food and photography quite a bit. And so he couldn't get back to the UK to shoot his Christmas burgers because um, they do Christmas specials every year and they're always epic with cranberry and stuffing and loads of turkey, pulled turkey stuff. Oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he got in touch and asked if I wouldn't mind just going down and shooting that burger. So I was, obviously I was like, yes, that would be amazing. I'd love to, I'd be honoured. Because I've been a big, I've been a huge fan of Asado since I moved to Bristol. I think they opened a similar time as when I... The um, hype around Asado openings. It wasn't long oh, yeah. after I'd moved to Bristol as well, yeah. I remember. And I used to live um, in Stokes Croft, very close to Asado. And right, I remember okay. the... Oh, just, yeah. Well, I think he started posting images and really high quality images that he was taking of his food and the prep that was going into and like the recipe development. Um, so he, he built that hype really well. And it's, you know, it's, I would say it's the best burger place in Bristol. I absolutely love it. It's still going strong. Haven't been for quite a while. I got, um, I got stuck on the Ui train for quite a while. Oh, uh, okay. But I have to say the last few, I'm talking about takeaway here. The last <laughs> few we've had have, have not been as good. I don't know why. I don't know if they've just gone a bit soggy in on the way here or whatever, but. Yeah, I don't know. I've. I enjoy them. I enjoy them on a hangover. <laughs> Whereas I will go to a, I'll bring all my mates to a sardo for, for a night. Yeah. And we'll have burgers and we'll all be like, this is amazing. Yeah. Every element in this burger has just been done so well. Now I and really it's want like, a it's burger. What want. <laughs> I really, really want I a burger. I might get one tonight, actually. So I'll share this Christmas burger picture on the show notes with the listeners so they can have a look. Okay, cool. And yeah. then if they're ever in Barcelona or Bristol, then they should go to Asado. Definitely. And I'm you might sure, be there. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be one again this Christmas so they can they can have a look. But yeah, that was amazing. Um, I think he was happy with the image in the end. It was a lot of pressure. Uh, but uh, I still use that a lot. Um, you know, it's that's in my portfolio because it's just like a big, cheesy, dirty burger. Really, it's just, it's, I love it. It's one of my favourite shots for sure. So, Aside from cool. the fact that it's a huge, tasty burger, why is it one of your favourite shots? Um, I think it's because it's one of those, it's one of those images that I took that, as soon as you see it, you really like the aim for food photography is always to make someone want to eat that image, eat whatever is being shown. And I think that's probably the one image that I've taken that achieves that the most, I would say, because it just, it, the way the light's hitting the cheese that's melting. And there's, there's one that I took that's just got a little drip that as a photographer, I'm like, oh, I love the, I love the little highlight in the in that drip. <laughs> um, but even as a food lover and as a burger fan, um, it just, it just looks very appetizing. It looks like you want to grab it. And I think that particular drip shot is, it's being held, the burgers in someone's hands. And it just looks really, it just looks like you want it. How important is it to get as much of the shot complete within the photograph itself versus kind of post editing? Um, I mean, it's, it, it is important. I would say it's really important to, to do as much as you can to make sure that you limit the amount of post-processing that needs to be done. Because I mean, that's the point, that's the first point where you've got control when you, when you've got the food in front of you, you can, you see it and you know what it's supposed to look like. And you want to just make sure that you're representing it in a true way. Um, and also from a business perspective, it takes a lot of time to do a lot of extra pro post-processing on on the images. 
So you, it's in everyone's interest to get, you know, to get the content ready as soon as possible. It's in everyone's interest to just nail it on the shoe. So I, I definitely prefer to kind of take my time on a shoe and make sure that we know that's how we want it to look. That's right. Rather than going, I mean, it happens on shoots where someone on the shoot will be, oh, we'll fix that. We'll fix that in post. You can Photoshop that out, right? And some things you can totally change and there's a lot you can do on Photoshop. It's, it is very powerful, um, but it takes time and it takes expertise and there's, you know, there's professional retouchers that you can hire to literally completely tidy up any image it um, must be really difficult to get the balance right of with food photography specifically of making sure that the colors and the textures are still representative of the real food because you see quite often don't you again i feel like i keep coming back to instagram and yeah and i obviously want to reiterate to the listeners that your work is is beyond that <laughs> but it's a big part of but it's it where is a big i see part. Food yeah. photography, yeah. where people have put these weird filters on and mm. they've upped the brightness or they've dropped the contrast to the point where it doesn't look like a real plate of food. Yeah. And that's not appetizing. No, I mean, I would say that's where, so going back to kind of what we were talking about before about um, people taking pictures of their food and posting on Instagram compared to a food photographer posting on Instagram. A food photographer is always, they always have to represent the food in a true fashion, but then the kind of skill comes in the editing afterwards and knowing when you have, uh, knowing when you've kind of manipulated an image enough, but not too much, finding that balance and making it look slightly stylized and making the you know, the colors really shine and making it look 3D and edible and appetizing, but not making it look fake and mm. distorted and, and wrong, <laughs> like not having the wrong colors. And, <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's something that you learn over time. I, I definitely look back at some of my early food photos and sometimes you play it a bit too safe and it doesn't really look that exciting. Mm. And sometimes you push those sliders on Lightroom a little bit too much and you're like, okay, that looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking that day? That was a bad decision. Um, but then this is the beauty of shooting in raw. You can, so shooting raw images on your camera, you can go back and do as much editing as you want to. You can hit reset and go back to, straight you know go back to that image that was taken on camera and just completely start again and re-edit um so there's always there's always time to save an image if it's gone too far mm. most of the time if you shoot in raw yeah <laughs> got to remember to put that setting on i think some i think the new iphones can shoot in raw as well i think so that's another thing there's the cameras that people have got in their pockets are so good these days you know you can take amazing images on a phone. And I think the latest iPhones shoot raw images. So that means there's loads of data in every shot. You can completely change the exposure. Mm -hmm. You can selectively change colors. Um, there's so much you can do. So yeah, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to do a second episode where we actually talk about tips and practical advice for people who want to improve their food photography yeah and we definitely don't have time for it today but i'm sure that there's for the more technical side of things there will definitely be people that are interested in that yeah for sure and there's loads of little tips and tricks mm. i mean shout out to matt inwood i was literally about to mention matt the inwood. The, the master of phone, phone photography, photography. Yeah. yeah i mean i i actually followed him for ages and didn't realize that he was a phone photographer um, and was just blown away by all his shots. And yeah, it, it, what he can produce with a phone is amazing. And it shows what they're capable of. And if you just have the right kind of editing tools um, and control the light in the right way, you can make it look as good as a 20 grand camera, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, and he so. runs courses actually, doesn't he? That people yeah. can sign up for. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I haven't been on one, but I need to, I, I did say to Be him that I would go to... on, I'd go on one because yeah. I don't actually take as much iPhone photography. I don't use my iPhone for photography as much as I should. Mm. Um, and it would be good to have that as a tool as well to 
be able to put more content out and be able to offer something else to clients as well. I guess it will be a little bit quicker for you as well. Yeah. You know, especially if you're doing something that you've cooked at home. And then oh, you've yeah. got to get your whole rig out and then you could be... Oh, there's been plenty of times where I've been cooking dinner. Me and Beth and my fiance will have have dinner ready to go. She'll be waiting. <laughs> I'll be like, can you just be the hand model for this shot quickly? I'll have my lighting gear set up. Um, she there with a giant orange uh, circle, the giant gold circle. <laughs> what a big, a big, yeah, the reflector. The re- that's the one, the reflector. Yeah, like she, that. I have definitely asked her to hold a reflector at mm. times. I think I asked her to uh, do the sort of the pan toss, you know, the oh, the, yeah. the pasta toss. Um, I got her to do that for a for an action shot once, and yeah, she was not best pleased at having you know having to do that for my Instagram. I went to Bar Forty Four last weekend with some friends for the first time in ages and it was wonderful um as our food came over we were sat in the, we were sat in the middle of the room but the tables to our right were right by the window perfect lighting no one else was there no one else was there so i just as the you dishes moved, came over i just them? i just quick i just quickly <laughs> just grabbed them just popped them on that table to my right got a couple of shots and then put them back on them we were all sharing that's fine it was a casual situation here <laughs> and I got the content. That's all, yeah. Content is good. That's what you've got to do. You've got to do anything to get the shot. <laughs> In terms of as a someone taking pictures of food when I go out to restaurants, and again, I've got to cast my mm. mind back like bloody ages to before the pandemic. Yeah. Because I've only been out a few times since. Uh-huh. Um, I remember going to the launch of a restaurant in Bristol and... To be fair, it was a soft launch that everyone in there was bloggers and family and friends. And there were people stood on their chairs with light rings on their phones. And I I just, I'm not that girl. Like, I will be subtle. What I do is I put, (laughs) this is probably too much information. I wedge my phone between my thighs and I whip it out and I take a quick picture and then I put it back. (laughs) Which is what I did at Sunny Stores last Saturday. Because I think there's... It's one thing about getting the perfect shot, but if you're literally doing it as a hobby, it's a bit much when you're stood on your chair and there's like a, a nice couple on the next table who are having a date and you're oh, yeah. like, like. I was I was only as um, blatant with it in Bar Forty Four because we were fortunately in the empty side of the restaurant at that yeah. time. If there's anyone else there, I'm I'm useless. I'll just be like, <laughs> oh, just a quick little snap. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't photograph it, did you eat it? Oh, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, the eternal question. (laughs) So we're fast running out of time. Uh, As I don't even know why I bother saying, I could literally record this snippet and just stick it in every episode. We're nearly out of time. (laughs) Uh, I could talk to you all night. So obviously the pandemic was a difficult time for you as a freelance photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, I can only imagine how hard it was. I'm assuming all your work dried up and... Yeah, I mean... Obviously, with with loads of people in any kind of well, in loads of industries, work just stopped. So I wasn't any exception. And March was looking a bit rope. Oh, actually, March was looking amazing for me at that time. I had lots lined up, and I was really excited. Twenty twenty, here we go. This is <laughs> going to be my breakthrough year. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, and then COVID happened. Uh, it was quite scary in March because. Some things just got postponed because obviously we didn't know how long it was going to last for. I think they said to us, we're going to work from home for three weeks. Yeah. I rescheduled some shoots for May, I think. Optimistic. (laughs) Initially. And um, yeah, that didn't happen. But some things things we rescheduled and I did do them um, further later in the year once things had calmed down again a bit. Mm. Uh, But it it was a tough time because, as I mentioned, I had... I had my part-time job at that moment as well. I was, it, the start of the year, or 2020 was going to be the year where I left the part-time job and went full-time freelance. Um, so I was already winding that down. And then once all the photography work stopped, um, the part-time job in hospitality also stopped. Oh, and yeah. my, you know, be a chef and you'll never be out of work, they said. <laughs> mm. That was obviously a moment where I was like, okay, there's there's nothing I can do right now. Um, but I think after the kind of initial panic of it, I realized that there were a few things I could do. 
I had work lined up for later in the year. Um, I was finishing off lots of projects. I started in January and February. So I had work to do when things, I was doing editing. I was finishing off work when things really started to go south in sort of late March. Mm. So I was busy, but obviously trying to think, how can I get through the next month, two months, three months, however long it might be. And there, there became a point where I realized that obviously through the food photography side of things wasn't really going to be enough to sustain me for the summertime. Um, so I'd actually taken a lot of landscape shots when I was up in the lakes throughout the previous year. Um, and I thought I can just sell some prints. I think I actually, again, going back to Instagram, I think I put an Instagram story out and said, I remember this. I think you might have replied <laughs> to one of them. It was like, what do I do? <laughs> throw throw me some ideas. All work's mm. been cancelled, lol. What should <laughs> I do? Um, you know, <clears throat> panic, but trying to just keep the situation light. <laughs> mm. And someone did say to me, why didn't you just sell some prints of your work? And I thought, I've got a few half decent landscape shots from the lakes. I know lots of people in the lakes still. Um, let's see if anyone would like to buy one. And I actually had a really enjoyable month in sort of, well, May to June time where I was, I set up a print shop on my website. Um, I figured out how I could completely outsource all of the printing, the framing, all of those side of things, and just almost like drop ship this finished product to the customer. And it was a really fun exercise to do especially because there was literally nothing else to do. We were in full lockdown. So I was like, okay, let's try and start a miniature online business. Mm. Um, and it went really well. It was it was quite rewarding for a good couple of months. And then gradually, once we got into kind of July, I started to get the odd little shoot here and there. Mm. Um, and it started off with quite small projects, working with small producers I did quite a lot of work at home where I was getting products sent to me and shooting recipe content. So again, um, the chefing background really yeah, helped in that, that respect. That did really help actually. And that's something that I want to do more of as well if I can, um, is is get a product from a producer and turn it into something and shoot it myself. Mm. Um, and I have done that um, a few times since. But that was that was really good because it gave me something to do. It kept the money coming in a bit, and um, it just kept me active and kept my, you know, kept kept me on the track of being a freelance photographer. And then once the world opened up, it was back to it. It's really brilliant that you were able to kind of diversify and and keep your business alive because obviously so many people weren't able to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. And now you're busy. You're busy, busy, busy. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of crazy how once things started to come back in the summer last year, I think there was a moment where hospitality was reopening and there was definitely an appetite to have new content and to shoot, you know, reshoot every menu. And um that was really good for me because there was a lot of work going. Um and since then, things have, although we've been, you know, in and out of lockdown here and there, and we've definitely had to move things around and reschedule things a mm. lot. Um, it's been fairly consistently busy since since that period of time. And it's just gradually growing, which is great. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, <laughs> Where can the listeners have a look at your portfolio and get in touch with you? Um, well, I mean they'll probably know about Instagram because we've sung its praises. So you're on Instagram. <laughs> I, believe it or not, I'm on there. I'm on the gram. You'll find me. Um, yeah, J underscore Campbell underscore photography on Instagram. Um, my website is jcampbellphotography.co.uk. Portfolio's on there. It's basically just uh, a big showcase of lots of the work that I've done. Um but yeah, I do post on Instagram a lot and that is the main way that I show off my work and mm. showcase my work. So if anyone's listening and wants to see, okay, what sort of stuff do I do? That's definitely the most up-to-date and like accurate way to look at what I do for sure. Fab. Yeah. Okay. So I already mentioned a few things that were going to stick in the show notes, but I'll make sure that there's links to all of those things as well. Wicked. So finally, what's next? What's next in the world of Josh Campbell <laughs> photography? Um, well, just 
<laughs> kind of more of the same at the moment because I've got to a point now where I've got kind of consistent work. I've got some really good clients that I'm working with on a regular basis. And every now and then you you meet someone new and you work with new people and it just kind of is growing quite naturally. Mm. We've got a lot going on in our personal life. We're getting married next year. We're trying to buy a house in Bristol, which is the most stressful thing in the world, as you'll know. Yeah. Um, so... I'm quite enjoying the the level that I'm at right now, but I'm also awful at saying no to things and opportunities <laughs> and taking on jobs. And if, you know, if something comes up that is exciting, which often happens in food photography because it's it's so different, there's lots going on, yeah. I'll I'll take it. We'll and squeeze it in. Yeah, we'll figure we'll figure out a day. Um but yeah, some so I'm I'm working with some really fun, interesting clients at the moment. And every now and then you get new inquiries with new, exciting people. And I'm just really bad at saying no. And I love just working a lot and doing lots of shoots. So I'm sure it's just going to be more of that if we don't get put into any other lockdown or any of that rubbish anymore. Fingers crossed. So. This could be my one and only face-to-face <laughs> podcast of the year. No, it won't be. It'll be it fine. Won't, it and won't. we're all double jabbed and everything. And, yes. Um, I think your brother would be incredibly proud of of what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I think yeah, I'm I'm pleased that I'm able to do something that I'm really passionate about in the same way that he did. Mm. Um and I'm glad that I that I kept up that photography side of things when we set out to do it together. Mm. Um yeah, I'm really pleased that I I've been able to keep at it and even with the flipping pandemic <laughs> managed to keep it going um and hopefully it will continue to grow and yeah we'll see where it see where it ends up amazing josh it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thank you for coming to my house and um relieving me of another giant courgette from the garden <laughs> it's just been really lovely to delve a little bit deeper into your career and find out a bit more about what makes you tick when it comes to food photography. And I urge everyone to go and have a look at your Instagram because I wasn't lying when I say that sometimes I look at the pictures and I'm just like, "Ah, (laughs) I want to eat my phone. Um, Yeah, thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me.